Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Pushkin. So the other week, I was staying in a hotel on Hollywood Boulevard for a few days. It was a fine hotel, if not a fine hotel. Its most compelling feature was the pool area, which looked exactly like how people think Hollywood looks. A shimmering blue Rorschach blot, surrounded by lounge chairs, each holding a yellow and white striped towel, rolled up like a Swiss cake made of terry cloth. Attractive staff flitted to and fro, trays of champagne and potato chips. I was at a cafe by the pool, eating a salad. Shakespeare once described someone's youth as their salad days, a time of carefree innocence. But my salad days didn't begin until I reached middle age and realized if I didn't start pounding vegetables my body would molt into a piece of uncooked dough. The sandwich days would be a better phrase for my carefree youth. So there I was, poolside, virtuously eating my raw vegetables, as well as reading a book. It was a novel about a formerly successful, newly middle-aged man, recently single, who decides to travel to find himself. Yeah, if it had been a podcast, I'd have a copyright claim. Palm trees swayed. American songbook music dribbled out some invisible speakers. Two young couples entered the pool area. And they looked as if they were from Central Casting. Which, considering this was L.A., might have been the case. They were all slim, smiling, and wearing black bathing suits. The men in trunks, the women in bikinis. They called over the waiter and ordered a round of spritzes. I looked down at my long-sleeved sweater and corduroy slacks forked a tiddly wink of radish into my mouth, and went back to my book.
Earlier that day, I'd walked along Hollywood Boulevard's concrete galaxy of stars. Floating amidst the Milky Way of celebrities were tourists, street merchants, and unhoused people. Soon, I found myself in front of the famous Hollywood landmark, Grauman's Chinese Theater, built in 1927 by Sid Grauman. Built to look like a Chinese pagoda, it's set back from the street and has kind of a courtyard out front. The story goes that when they were completing construction on it, Sid was inspecting things with an actress who stepped into the wet pavement by mistake. Instead of getting upset, Sid got an idea. He decided he would invite celebrities to dip their hands and feet into the pavement on purpose, and it would serve as sort of a monument to Hollywood, the town that lined his pockets. So the area is covered with the feet and hands of the many famous Hollywood stars that have come before. You can see Shirley Temple's little feet. You can see Cary Grant's also kind of little feet. When I was there, I saw a German tourist try to fit her hand into Scarlett Johansson's hand. If you look closely, you can see that Mel Brooks' right hand has an extra finger. The comedian secretly wore a prosthetic when he pressed his hand into the wet concrete. But a keen observer would realize that for a place that's been around since 1927, there really aren't that many slabs. Which is odd, because stars have been dipping their extremities in the concrete at Grauman's for nearly a century. It turns out, the theater removes slabs of sidewalk from time to time, when a celebrity star is faded, or if they just need space to make room for the new kid in town. Then, the imprints of the formerly famous are stored somewhere in the theater. I imagine that inside Grauman's is a room filled with hands and footprints that looks like an archaeological dig. Stacks of concrete indentations of people who made their literal mark on the landscape of Hollywood and never imagined that the ground could be pulled out from under them and they would be replaced by someone else. Later, as I'm dutifully eating my salad poolside at the hotel, I notice one of the women from the black-clad foursome emerge from the pool, and I notice someone else watching her. It's a silver-haired stranger who selected a lounge chair one seat away from the couples, despite the many other available chairs around the pool. He looks to be what would be called a silver fox. Gray hair, lean, tan body, his white teeth flash in the sun. He smiles and appears to start talking to the woman while she looks on with that kind of grimace of someone who doesn't want to be rude but is thinking, what's going on here? Finally, her partner stands up and puts his arm around her and they turn back to the other couple. The fox keeps chatting with them, even though their body language, their backs mostly turned towards him, indicate that they'd rather he didn't. At last, he took a hint, stood up and jumped in the pool, did a lap, and returned to his lounge chair. I closed my book. As I returned to my room, I walked by the couples and the silver fox, and that's when I recognized him. He was an actor who starred in Who's the Boss, one of the most popular sitcoms of the 80s. When I was a kid, it was on all the time. And yet, that hit show's last season was in 1992, which was probably before the couple he'd been chatting with were even born. To them, he was just a guy, interrupting their pool day. As I passed, I noticed the footprints he'd made stepping out of the pool 
evaporating in the sun. All of that is to say, that novel I was reading by the pool, really good. It was called Less. It won a Pulitzer. And today, I'm going to be talking with the author. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. This is Not Lost. And I'll be right back after this break. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, NA member, FDIC, copyright 2024. JPMorgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Welcome back to Episode 1 of Not Lost Chat, my series of conversations with fellow travelers. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, audio producer, journalist, dinner freeloader, 
And for the next half dozen or so episodes, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I will be in a studio speaking with writers, musicians, actors, and others about their journeys. Someday in the future, I'll be out in the field going on more journeys of my own. But until then, we have this to enjoy. Also, since so many of you have been asking me for practical travel information, which if you've listened to the show, I clearly don't have a lot of, in each of these episodes, I've invited a frequent traveler of some renown who will help answer your questions. But first, about that book I was reading by the pool in Hollywood, Less. It's named after its protagonist, Arthur Less who is a mildly successful author who is surprised to find himself middle-aged and adrift. The author of Less is Andrew Sean Greer, who, coincidentally, I'm sure, is also a novelist and travel writer, probably definitely not adrift. After he won a Pulitzer for Less, he wrote a sequel called Less is Lost, and I wanted to talk with him about these books, so I decided to reach out. Andrew Sean Greer, thanks for agreeing to chat with me. I'm happy to be here. And also, I, it seems like a perfect fit for me to be able to be on this podcast. It, I mean, it it really is. In fact, so I'm not to uh, be immodest, but, you know, recently New York Magazine named Not Lost uh, one of the best podcasts of 2022. And in the review describing Not Lost, it said, quote, kind of has the slight energy of Andrew Sean Greer's less but let's not oversell it. What? Um, I, right? <laughs> I gotta find I think, that to make sure you read that correctly. <laughs> I think I was. I think I think I was nagged by the uh, the reporter. But anyway, nonetheless, it piqued my interest. But yes, for better or worse, I feel like uh, the journey I took in this show, at least for season one, uh, mirrored that of your protagonist, uh, Arthur Lest. It, essentially, you know, he's a mildly successful novelist in the throes of middle age who uh, in the first book goes on a journey to avoid the agony of attending the marriage of his ex-boyfriend. Uh, and yes, all that does, except for the last part, sound eerily familiar. Uh, and in the first book, he goes from San Francisco to New York, to Mexico City, to Berlin, to Paris, to Morocco, and then India. And in the most recent book, um, he's in need of money and he ends up traveling around the U.S. And so I, I guess just stepping way back, why is Arthur Less always traveling? I would say it started off as a very practical reason, which is that I was, in order to make a buck, because I'm just a novelist, I was pitching myself as a travel writer, and I would pitch ideas to in-flight magazines for United and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was already finding myself traveling around, and I was working on a novel about a sad sack, middle-aged gay man in San Francisco, and the novel was just a drag. And I thought, what if I make him travel? What if I have memories of travel? Because I have all these notes, because if you're a travel writer, you're sitting alone in a restaurant and in Saigon for hours, <laughs> just writing down what dog walks in. And so I thought, I will, I'll use my notes. And I enjoyed writing the travel so much that I ditched the other part of the novel and I made it a comedy about him traveling. And it was great fun, and I started pitching ideas to fit the novel, not not to fit where I wanted ah, to go. Clever, yeah. Can we talk about that for a moment? Because, as you just said, to help support your creative writing, you work as a travel writer. In other words, it's a job. Yeah. Now, I'm someone who's done some travel writing. I have a travel show, and I find that uh, my friends and people I meet often forget the fact that it's actually work. Does that happen to you? Like, I feel like people think it's all margaritas and cha-cha-cha. 
Yeah, people people get very envious of my being able to travel, but I will tell them like, well, like I just took a trip to Australia and I was there for three days and then I flew back. And um, that sounds fun to people and I know how to enjoy it, <laughs> but it is madness, you know, and I'm still yeah. suffering the jet lag from that for three days in Australia. And it was, you know, the first time I went to Japan, in fact, to research for less, it, I was only in Kyoto for four days. And you can't do very much, especially if you're having to gather information about three hotels and five restaurants in that time. You can't do much else but eat the same meal five times in a row and sleep in very <laughs> similar hotels. Um, so you have to get yeah. used to that tedium. You you mentioned that you drew from your notebook in many of Arthur's misadventures. So what about the most recent book where Les is traveling across the United States? As I understand it, you yourself also drove across the United States in an RV. What kind of things occurred on your journey that ended up making it in the book? Yeah, I took two different RV trips. One was like a big Cruise America RV through the Southwest. And the second was these handmade little camper vans this guy makes out of Atlanta. Uh, I, what never made it in was when I would get the story of the diner cook who would tell me her life story. I didn't put anything like that in. But I would put in things like when I went to a rural bar outside of Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and it was kind of like a Pee Wee Herman movie where I walk in and the jukebox stops and everyone stares at me. I put <laughs> I put that down verbatim in the novel because yeah. I thought it was so funny. I was did not belong in that bar. And they were awfully nice to me. <laughs> well, you allude to this a little bit in, in uh, definitely in Less is Lost, but, um, you know, traveling across the United States uh, as a gay man is, I'm assuming, different than it was for me uh, as, as just a, a straight white guy. First of all, I will say I don't think it's different at all. I, I don't know anything about mm -hmm. you, but I bet the awkwardness of feeling foreign in your own country is something a lot of people share and that it's it's most apparent for me that yeah. people can sense something different about me but they can't quite put their finger on it um mm -hmm. and that's what happened when i showed up at the rv park and there was a woman who said now you're not from here are you and i said i was from maryland and she said now i thought you're from the netherlands um <laughs> there was just something about me she couldn't quite name that was not what she would call American. And I knew what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but that was actually the real surprise to me going around is that as much as I dressed myself up in Walmart, what I thought was straight guy clothing, everybody knew I was gay. Yeah. Whether they <laughs> knew that's what they were talking about or not. And it was not dangerous for me. Yeah. So maybe stepping back to Arthur, and I guess I am asking this about you too, like what is the appeal of travel? I think it's two things. And I don't share necessarily both of them. One is the sense of being wrong all the time. And if you are wrong at home all the time about like how to order a bagel, <laughs> you're kind of like a loser. <laughs> but when you travel, being wrong is like the name of the game. Mm. Like that's part of the experience is to challenge yourself with there are other ways to get onto a subway or the different people around the world have a different idea of what a sidewalk is. Um, you you start to realize that it's arbitrary. The system you thought should always be in place. And that's eye-opening and liberating because if you make mistakes, that's normal. Yeah. So that's good for him. He is a character who is utterly innocent about the the sort of dangers of the world or the problems he himself is causing. And then at the end of each, he keeps choosing, doubling down on innocence. 
You know, like the mm. next town's going to be better. I'm going to get it right this time. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to improve, which I found really sweet to write about, and which I think is part of travel too. You're like, well, let's try the next town. You know, who knows what's going to happen there. <laughs> I consider travel kind of the laziest form of learning in in that sense, too, where you arrive in a place and just waking up, getting breakfast, getting somewhere, getting a cup of coffee, you're learning all across, you know, just by survival because, uh, you know, you're in a different place. You might be a a, a better traveler than I am, though. I already have that sense <laughs> that I I am quite incompetent at those. But I agree. It's, it's a great learning experience. <laughs> now, when I've done traditional travel writing, I found that the frame is too limiting. Like, you have to leave out all the stuff that's the best part of traveling. Oh, yes. Random meeting of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Misadventures, romance, whatever. And when I was making this show, I tried to make it in a way where I could include all of that stuff. And I'm wondering if you kind of viewed your novels in a similar fashion, like that they were a place you could open up about what it's really like to go somewhere. I think you're totally right. Like, I, I in the books, I don't have to put in every restaurant that I've been assigned or sit down with the manager for two hours as they take you on a hotel tour you're never going to put in the article. You know, all those really um, important parts when they need a sidebar of like, you know, five places to get a great banh mi in, in, in Ho Chi Minh City. I didn't have to do that for the book. But for less, everything else got put into the book. Because you're right, you can't put things that are too personal. So when you're you know, you. this is your second, this is the follow-up to Les. When you're touring for these books or people are talking to you about them, why do you think they enjoy them so much? I, th people tell me, I can only report what people tell me. Mm -hmm. They find them to be like a big warm hug. That's mm. what everyone says. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if I wrote them as a hug, but I do think that it's because I'm not making fun of the places I'm going to. Mm -hmm. They're not cruel. People are, especially after being trapped inside so much, that they're enjoying this sort of fantasy of travel as as trouble where everything certainly is going to turn out okay. Because mm. I think in a comedy, you have there's a, a tacit understanding with the author that it's not funny unless it turns out okay. So mm. we're going to laugh assuming that's how it's going to be. And when you're actually traveling, you're not sure that's how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. That's where the panic comes in. <laughs> Like, these books aren't simply hugs. Like, they contain a certain amount of pathos. Arthur is a little heartbroken and adrift. You know, he's single at middle age while most of his friends are in couples. And actually, on that point in particular, I have a question for you. Yeah, absolutely. How would you describe the difference between traveling when single versus traveling while in a relationship? Ooh, that is a juicy question. <laughs> I'm not sure. I get in there in the at end. liberty <laughs> to answer that fully. They're well, they're definitely very different. Yeah. Um, I think when you're single, you're looking for um, an experience. You have the kind of person you would never meet anywhere else, and mm -hmm. you might find that mm -hmm. if you're open to it in these in these in places where you go. You're open to it, but if you're not single, it's you have it. You're open to something different which is that you can sit at a bar and just talk with the locals for hours because you're not trying to pick anyone up. Um, yeah. But so you're never going to get that intimate um, pillow talk from around the world, <laughs> but you do get the Bud Light talk. <laughs> yeah. So each is different. They both have their pros and cons. Yeah. I also think I've done both. 
And I do feel like traveling, for better or worse, is a little bit of a narcotic in that you're on, you know, it is a, a little bit fantasy. And part of the allure is that anything can happen. Whereas when you're with someone, uh, even if they're not with you, there is a ballast, which is a good thing, but also changes the experience. Couldn't you get close enough to the fire where there's a little vibration of possibility and you're like, actually, I don't have to push the button. I can't push the button, so I don't have to, but I can just still imagine what might have happened. Good night, everybody. You know? <laughs> well, Andy, thank you so much for coming to chat with me, and, and thanks for making these books. They're, they're just wonderful and inspiring me to want to go hit the road. Me too. <laughs> and I just left the road. <laughs> thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. Andrew Sean Greer's most recent book is called Less is Lost. I saw it at the airport when I was returning from L.A., which, to me, that means you've made it. Forget the Pulitzer. If they're selling your book next to the neck pillows and peanut M&Ms, you are a popular author. And speaking of airports, it's almost time for us to talk about the less sexy parts of traveling. So after a quick break, comedian and master of impressions Jay Farrow channels a former president to help me answer some of your travel questions. If I'm sitting in the seat and the person beside me um, is uh, acting irate, I'm going to call a flight attendant before I stick my size 13 foot up their <laughs> tiny ass. Not lost? We'll be right back. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member, FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. So I asked some of you to send me travel etiquette questions via my small but mighty social media channels, <clears throat> BF Noonan on Twitter. Thank you. I asked because during my recent excursion to L.A., I realized that I've kind of forgotten how to be with other people in public, specifically in airports, in shuttles, in hotels. Anyway, you gave me some great questions, and today I have actor and comedian Jay Farrow here to answer some of them. Jay is best known as being that guy on Saturday Night Live who did amazing impressions of Barack Obama, Kendrick Lamar, Kevin Hart, and countless others. He has gone on to work on a number of TV shows and movies, including Unsane, White Famous, and most recently Comedy Central's Out of Office. And he also does stand-up, which is where he started. And he's currently on tour all over the world, which means he's traveling a lot. And Jay, welcome. Glad you're here. Tell me, how do you feel about all this traveling? It's only a pain in the ass if I have to ride airlines because they're trash. You know what I mean? They're really not a good airline. Listen, it was messed up. It was so bad one time. Uh, I ended up getting the mechanical problems and um, we took off from Texas and then we got stuck in Portland and my destination was Virginia. Like, what? The, why do we go back? Why do we go back yeah. here? Yeah, that's the wrong direction. Absolutely. I like it when it's a straight flight, and I like when I have my bag. That's oh. only listen. As long as I can get my right. bag back, I'm I'm good, man. Cause I got oils and stuff in there that I need for uh-huh. my hair. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I've got I've I've got essentials that I need for the Jay Farrell package. No, are you a carry on guy or you or check? I'm a guy? I got I have so much stuff. Yeah, I have to yeah. check in. Me I too. Check. I'm a check in yeah. guy. I feel like it's underrated, frankly. Yeah. Because you once you drop off your big bag, it's like life is a lot easier when you're going in and around the airport. Yeah, man. I got a question. Do you feel when you travel, do you still put your mask on? Because I kind of feel like the only Sub-Zero out here. <laughs> what do you mean by Sub-Zero? That you do wear your mask? Yeah, I, I wear my mask. Um, I, I, The only reason I don't recently is because I had COVID. Oh, so wow. I feel like I'm in that 60-day window where I get to like do whatever I want. <laughs> you know, Even if the pandemic didn't exist, a mask on an airplane isn't a bad... I don't like like being so close to all these strangers and the recycled air. Me neither. I still do uh, social distancing. I'm like, yo, back up six feet or I'm a stone cold stun you. Stone cold stunning. Is that is that a move? Like, what yeah. is that move? Oh, you don't even know. It's a wrestling move from the Attitude Era, WWF. Stone Cold Steve Austin does this thing where he flicks you off, he kicks you, and he grabs your neck with his arm and he, like, <laughs> go like this and right. your knees 
hit the ground and you bounce up and do a flip. That that doesn't seem like something um, that would be acceptable in an airport, Jay. You don't think it? You don't think it is? <laughs> well, I think I should try it and report okay. back to you. Okay. <laughs> I think I should do it. Yeah. Let me know. Do you get recognized at airports? Like, do people come up to you and, and do the thing? You know what, man? Even with a mask on, I get recognized. It just, it blows my mind. I'm like, how the hell do you know? Like, my nose is covered. <laughs> how do you know who yeah. I am? And they're looking at me. It's, I think it's just the eyes. What is the eyes of the window, window to the soul, right? Like, I'm just chilling. And people still come up to me, and they're just like, Chief Farrell. I'm like, oh, I got a mask on. I, I fist bump you. It's like 70s all day with me. Hey, what up, brother? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I easily get sick. Like, for instance, I was um, when I traveled to Raleigh, um, North Carolina. I got sick. I got sick because this dude, he was his hand. He came up to me. And I normally, like I said, I like doing this. Fist bump. But he wouldn't take this for an answer. <laughs> and so I, like, I took him. And I, I gave him my hand, and his hand was so freaking sweaty. Oh, oh it was just, clammy, it was slippery. It was a slick oh, hand. Uh, sweaty. So I touched it. I was like, oh, God. And I'm sitting, and I'm, and I don't even know if it was from him. Yeah. But I got sick that following day. All right, well, look, it sounds like you are, you're well-traveled. Absolutely. You're on tour, so you're perfectly prepared to help our audience. They submitted some traveling questions. Okay. Can you help us with these? Absolutely. What are we doing? All right, so the first question comes from Lee, and the question is, what's a polite way to let a chatty seat neighbor on a plane know that you're not in the mood to talk? Oh, oh, wow, wow. Just um, in, in mid-conversation, just look at them and just put your head down like this. <laughs> so look at them and, and close your eyes and fall asleep while they're talking to you. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what you do. Because and, and I feel like that's so, yo, bro, like, you know I've, I have put my headphones on. Right. Why are you trying to talk to me? I have put <laughs> them on. You watched me put them on. Read the room, bro. <laughs> read the seat. Yeah, you know yeah, read the seat. You know, if you could, I would love to hear how Kevin Hart might react yeah. if someone started to talk to him like this on an airplane. Listen, <laughs> listen, goddammit, listen, <laughs> listen, I'm not on this, I'm not sitting here to talk to you. Listen, I've had a, I've had a very rough, long, <laughs> long shooting day. I'm not here to talk. Listen, I should be on my private jet. I don't understand why the hell I am on uh, Frontier Airlines. I don't even know. Bam. <laughs> I don't know why I'm up here. Listen, listen, this is what happened. This is what happened. <laughs> I had mechanical problems and my plane couldn't take off. Couldn't get another seat. Everything was sold out. So this is the only damn option. So I need you to shut the hell up and let me sleep. God damn it. <laughs> that is uncanny. All right, uh, I think we got your you. answer. I will say, at addendum to that, we're just as equally as bad as when you are in the aisle seat. You're finally situated. You got your headphones, your bag, maybe your books out. Every, you know, you kind of checked around, <laughs> and then they want to go to the bathroom. Oh man! It's like after your table's down, after the drink is out. It's like we had this whole twenty minute preamble. You could have gone. But now, your bl- I'm sure your bladder was 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 a hundred percent. But not, now it's old. It's a hundred point one. I have to get up. Like, come on, bro. Exactly. Exactly. Do you do you are you the person that gets up, or do you just take your feet and just move move in a seat like this? I stay in the seat and I just move my I, feet to the side and let them walk. I can't do that, but I might give a look of. I might do an exhalation, like. <laughs> throw my headphones down, slam up the table, and then stand there and just yeah. not look them in the eye. <laughs> Show that you're annoyed as shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that. That doesn't do anybody any good, but I, I do it anyway. <laughs> All right, we got another question. This one comes from Michelle from State College, Pennsylvania. So her question is: When checking into a hotel, 
Is it acceptable to lie about a special occasion to try to get a room upgrade? Why or why not? Um, uh, I feel like if you want to have fun with your partner, like sometimes you might do that. You know, you just be like, hey, you know, this is such and such is birth. Oh, it's a special yeah. occasion. Well, you can't say birthday because they got your license. <laughs> you know what That's I'm saying? That's a good point. They look down and like, wait a second, wait a second, it's December. Your birthday's in August. It can't be anything special. You have to, but if you say, oh, it's our anniversary or something like that, or, you know, somebody, we just got a job promotion or yeah. something like that. I don't think anything's wrong with that. I mean, if you're just trying to, you know, you're trying I'm with to have you on fun. that. I, I think, like, concierges are one of the few uh, people in modern capitalism that have the ability to upgrade you or not, right? Like, they have a bunch <laughs> of rooms. They know who's filling yeah. them up or not. And they have a little bit of latitude, so why not pour on the charm a little bit, give them a little wink? I think I think it's fine. That's yeah. what I say. I mean, even like when you go in a restaurant sometimes now, you can use the birthday thing at restaurants. I know my sister went into one restaurant and had a birthday five times in the span of two and a half months. They were like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's your birthday again? I feel sorry for the people who have to sing the song Yeah, like at the restaurants. Because, you know, like, they'll be in the middle of some doing some other shit, and they got to drop everything they're doing to come out saying happy birthday to you. <laughs> Fucking hands are hurting. Hands are hurting. You're exhausted. You. You're, like, just broke up with Kenny the dishwasher, ah, and now you're going to sing happy birthday. Broke up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to do... No, I'm not singing the birthday. No. All right, so this is our last <laughs> okay. question. Uh, and maybe you can answer this as former President Barack Obama. Yeah. And, and the question is, when is it okay to push the flight attendant call button. Like, what need qualifies <clears throat> as urgent enough to push it? What would make you push it? Uh, well, uh, if, I'm, if I'm sitting in the seat and the person beside me um, is uh, acting irate, um, irascible, uh, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to call a flight attendant before I stick my size 13 foot up there <laughs> Tiny ass. And um, that's when you call them, when you have a problem. If you have a problem with the seat or you can't get the seat belt out the, uh, the bottom and the, uh, the buckle is caught uh, in the back. And uh, you don't want to touch that because it's COVID down there. So you don't want to get it. So you want them to get it for you. So you're like, hey, you put your hands down there and uh, you get my belt because I'm not going to get COVID. You are insured by Delta. Me, I'm not. So, but they, they might have Obamacare, though. They might have Obamacare. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think Trump pretty much uh, tried to get that shit out of here. So, um, you know, they might have it, but it's it's not active <laughs> if, if, yeah, if they do. Right. Jay, do you want to imitate my voice and say goodbye to Jay Farrow? Thanks for coming on to Not Lost. Um, you know, I'm I, I pot roast with my impressions. They're not microwavable, okay. right. so that's right. not going right. to be that ain't, that ain't tangible. Fair enough. Well, look, thank you so much for coming by. Good luck with the rest of your tour. If anyone sees Jay Farrow in the airport, do not approach him. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> just just stay six feet away. Or I will stone cold stun your punk ass, okay? That was Jay Farrow. Honest. It was not someone impersonating Jay Farrow. I promise you. Which... Come to think of it, he could totally make a bundle just impersonating other people for podcasts. So if you hear Barack Obama on a future episode of this show, you are right to be suspicious. If you have travel questions that you want answered in a future episode, you can email them to me at notlost at pushkin.fm or ping me at BF Noonan on Twitter. 
Not Lost Chat could not have been made without Ace producer Jordan Bailey, who honestly travels a lot more than me, so maybe she should be hosting this. The show is written and hosted by me, Brendan Francis Noonan. We receive top-notch booking assistance from Laura Morgan, who always has the nicest Zoom background around. Laura, please book your interior designer for me someday. This episode was edited by the great Julia Barton, with assistance from our managing producer, Jacob Smith. Our mix engineer, who has the patience of Job, is the unflappable Sarah Bruguer. Not Lost is a co-production of Pushkin Industries, Topic Studios, and iHeartMedia. It was developed at Topic Studios. And, in case you're wondering, this show has some executive producers, including me, Brandon Francis Noonan, Christy Gressman, Maria Zuckerman, Lisa Leingang, and Latal Malad. If you dig what you hear, please tell a friend, make a comment at Apple Podcasts, get a tattoo, whatever it takes to spread the word. It's appreciated. And if your inbox is lonely, you can sign up for the Pushkin newsletter at pushkin.fm slash newsletter. And to find more Pushkin podcasts, and I really mean this, there are some pretty great podcasts bipping and bopping around here these days. You can listen and find them on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or you know where, wherever you listen to podcasts. That is all for this episode. Thanks, everybody. Bon voyage. De- we'll definitely do um, Robbie Downey Jr. Listen, it's, it's just, bro, it's so arduous when you sit down beside somebody and they're just, you know, falling asleep and they're spitting all over your arm and, you know, you're just like, you know, I don't want your DNA on me. And then what are you going to do? You're going to stone cold stun them. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.